Today is the first Sunday in Lent. Lent began this past Wednesday with Ash Wednesday, where many of us came to receive the sign of the cross in ashes on our foreheads, where we remember that we are dust and will return to dust. Lent is a quieter season in the church. Lent is a season of penitence, of fasting, of practicing going without, or maybe for some of us, practicing taking something on. Lent is a time to help us pare down and peel back the layers. Lent is a time to help us make space. We make space to receive what is coming. We make space to receive the hope, the possibility of the impossible that is coming at Easter, that comes with resurrection. I spoke about this on Wednesday, but for me, I feel like I want to reject all of the lentious bits of Lent this year. And uh, there's an article in, I think it was the New York Times last week as well, somebody else echoing those sentiments. Feel like we've been experiencing Lent for a couple of years now. I feel like we have a lot of practice of going without. And at this time, it feels like we are beginning to step into experiencing some of those things that we have gone without. Still, though, I do suggest it is always good to engage in practices and ways of being that make space for God in our lives. There's a lot going on these days. I feel like I've said that several times over the last year. There's a lot of suffering and frustration and harm going on. It's happening in our own country. There have been some LGBTQ plus trans um, things going on within various states in our own country. And I think about our baptismal vows. One of the things we promise on the days of our baptism or our parents promise on our behalf is that we will respect the dignity of every human being. Whenever I ask that question, whenever I'm a part of that process, I always think, what would it be like? It is so simple and yet so hard to live into respecting the dignity of every human being. So there are things that are going on closer to home, and there is a whole war going on on the other side of the world, and yet we are still all connected. Kate Bowler offered a prayer for the people of Ukraine when things were just beginning over a week ago. And the last image of her prayer that she was offering is that we will see, we will, we will look. I've been thinking this week just about how complicated it all is, how many layers there are to the situation. I'm not a historian, I'm not an expert, but as I read a bit here and read a bit there and realize there's this, and if you trace that back a little bit, oh, then there's that whole thing going on, and then 
over here, if you dig a little deeper, oh my gosh, and that goes back hundreds of years or maybe even a thousand years. It's complicated. And yet, if only we could live into what it is to respect the dignity of every human being. So we bring all that here into the space. We bring all of that into the prayers that we share together. We bring all of that into the sacred stories that we hear. This morning, our psalm, Psalm 91, we heard parts of it. The refrain that we all sung was, Be with me, Lord, when I am in trouble. The psalm is about hope. The psalm is about hope in the midst of experiencing fear. And I invite you, if you happen to be in that space these days, I invite you to live with the psalm this week, or maybe this Lent. It's printed in your bulletin. You can find it in a Bible or a prayer book. But I invite you to spend some time letting those words wash over you, letting those words deeper and deeper within, letting them take root. The uh, theologian Walter Brueggemann, who's spent a lot of time looking at the Psalms and the other texts in the Hebrew scriptures, said in response to a conversation he gave regarding the Psalm, he said, You got to have a place where you process your fears, because if you don't process your fears, they will devour you and they will immobilize you. We need those spaces, whether that begins in a conversation with us and scripture, and maybe that spills out into us sharing some of those things which grip us, which hold us in fear. Because part of Lent is a practice of letting go. Letting go some of those things that bind us, that constrict us to make space for God. We also heard a gospel story from Jesus' experience, from Jesus' life, that I believe we hear every year on this first Sunday of Lent. The experience of Jesus and the testings that he endured. This happens right after his baptism. Right after he stepped into the River Jordan and he invited his cousin John to wash him clean. Right after the Holy Spirit, like a dove, descended and the voice from the heaven said, You're my son, my beloved. In you I am well pleased. Our baptisms echo that experience. It is not something that um, is intended to make some in and some out, but baptism is our practice, our ritual of choosing this way of living, of choosing this life in Christ. Sometimes we choose that for ourselves, sometimes we choose that for our children, so sometimes it's been chosen for us. But as a deliberate, intentional act where we echo this experience that Jesus has. And that in baptism, the priest marks us on our forehead with the sign of the cross using blessed oil, saying you are marked as Christ's own forever. 
So there's nothing that we can do or not do that will ever change that. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, emboldened and strengthened by the Holy Spirit in his baptism, then goes out into the wilderness. And in biblical speak, the wilderness is the place where you go knowing that you are going to encounter that which is difficult, that which maybe is evil. It is the place where you go to wander. It is a place, I feel like, where you step into the fire, if you will, seeking the letting go and the transformation that emerges. So the devil, the devil tests Jesus in these three ways. Jesus has gone without food for a while, so the first is a very physical, tangible Jesus. You're probably hungry. But if you take one of these stones, you could turn it into bread. If, if you are the Son of God, testing Jesus, maybe perhaps trying to plant a seed of doubt that Jesus is not who he knows himself to be. Has that ever happened for you? Some experience makes you question, wait, am, am, I, am I who or how I know I am to be? Am I Christ's? And then the devil takes Jesus and says, look at all of the kingdoms, all of the nations of the world. If you're the son of God and you choose to worship me, I will give them to you. And in a sense, that's what Jesus has come for. He has come to make everyone a part of him. So the devil's offering him a lovely shortcut. And yet he says, no, this is not the way. This is not the way that I am going to be about in the world. This is not the way God works in the world. And then it ramps up a little bit, and the devil sweeps him from the desert to, to Jerusalem, to the very top of the temple, the holiest space, and says, if, once again, if you are the Son of God, if you are who you say you are, who you believe you are, go ahead, leap, because you know that the angels will come and rescue you. He's offering him this moment of like this explosive, miraculous experience because you know that you will be taken care of. And once again, Jesus is like, that's not God's way. But in a sense, it was another brilliant shortcut that Jesus could have taken. Because then he would have had everybody going, oh my gosh, you are the one. You are the one we have been waiting for. But Jesus chooses to work a different way. Jesus chooses to live his life authentically, with integrity, day by day. He gathers his disciples, he gathers this group of 12, kind of ragtag, not the best in their class, if you will. He gathers them together, and he says, with you, we are going to share this glorious message, this good news, this new way of living. He teaches, he preaches, he heals. He's not working with the leaders of the kingdom. He's working with 
the people. He's often working, like the Sermon on the Mount reveals, he's often working with those who are ignored, with those who are suffering, with those who are out at the fringes. That's the way God works. That's the way the scriptures, the sacred stories, show us God working. And Jesus stayed true to this all the way through the suffering that he endured. And all the way through the failure that the cross appeared to be. But as Caputo says, we are people who believe in the possibility of the impossible. We have been filled with the Holy Spirit, and we trust that resurrection, that new life is coming. I shared this quote on Ash Wednesday, and I find it so meaningful, I want to share it again this morning. This was this appeared in an Instagram feed of mine um, over a week ago. It's by Ursula Wolf Roca, and she writes this. It can be overwhelming to witness, experience, take in all the injustices of the moment. The good news is that they're all connected. So if your little corner of work involves pulling at one of the threads, you're helping to unravel the whole cloth. What we are doing here is radical. It is counter-cultural. It is different than the ways of power and authority. John Caputo also talks about the, the weak force of love. Love doesn't command, doesn't make, doesn't sort of rule over. Love invites. Love beckons. Love offers. May we continue to live into our identity as people who are pulling at the threads, helping to unravel all that works against the ways of Christ in our world.